Hey, what's up? Matt Wyatt here. This Dog Pile podcast is brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank. Mississippi Land Bank, where they understand the lay of the land. Visit them online, mslandbank.com. Also, by Jubilations Cheesecake in West Point. Go by and visit George and Luann and the folks at Jubilations. Stop into the coffee house right on Highway 45 in West Point. You can watch cheesecakes being made. And while you're there, take some home. And a special thanks to High Point Roasters Coffee in New Albany. Dan the Coffee Man and the folks there at High Point Roasters. They keep me stocked up with coffee. You can ask my family. They hear that coffee grinder running at about 4.30 in the morning, and then I pour that first cup. It just gets things started right. Trust me on this. Get your coffee at High Point Roasters. Highpointroasters.com. better place to be in the world than right there on that dog pile. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Dog Pile. I'm Brett Hudson. This is your Tuesday morning episode coming to you after a Monday in which Mississippi State did not play. They're in between their opening game of the 2019 College World Series and their Tuesday, 6 o'clock game against Vanderbilt. Uh, Both teams want to know. Both teams trying to get the inside track to the College World Series National Championship Series. And it was still an eventful Monday uh, for for a good bit of – college baseball here here in Omaha. We said goodbye to the Razorbacks. We put Michigan on the fast track to the National Championship Series. We found out about Mississippi State's upcoming starting pitcher, and we got a feel for the pulse, pulse of the team. And we'll get to all that and more, but first, we want to let you know that our travel here to Omaha was made possible by High Point Roasters Coffee in New Albany. You can get free shipping on your order of three or more bags if you go to highpointroasters.com. Uh, the oldest coffee operation in Mississippi. Go to Twitter, follow Dan the Coffee Man on Twitter, at Dan the Coffee Man. And as Dan always says, stay caffeinated, my friends. We're going to have Adam Sparks, the Vandy beat writer for the Tennessean, on the show later on to really dive into the matchup with uh, Mississippi State versus Vanderbilt and really the, the season that has been for, for the Commodores. It could be a, a historic one for for the SEC's Nashville representative. But we have to get to the biggest news of the day before we do that. Here's how Chris Lamone has told us Peyton Plumley is getting the start against Vanderbilt. No. Okay. No, I'm just joking. We're going to go with Peyton Plumley. He's the best matchup for us in this game. What about that matchup do you like? He's just been good against left-handers, and they got six out of nine left-handers in their lineup. So, um, you know, he's pitched that. It reminds me a little bit of that Miami lineup that we faced by a little bit, you know, it's hard to say better because that Miami lineup was really good. But they've swung it well. But he's just, uh, when he's good, he's got that sinking fastball and uh, gives us a chance to make a lot of plays. I think what's most interesting about this decision, in addition to that note Lamonis gave about Plumlee being good against lefties, I really wish we had more publicly available data on that, is it's likely a window into how Mississippi State's coaching staff scouts Vanderbilt. JT Ginn is a guy who wins with stuff, velocity on the fastball and the big bend on his breaking stuff. Peyton Plumlee is a guy who wins by influencing contact. He uses the two-seam action and the sinking action on fastballs to force bad contact. So if you have a lineup that can be overwhelmed by sheer stuff, you throw Ginn. But if you have a really skilled lineup with good contact tools throughout it, 
Then you go to a guy that makes a living on forcing weak contact, and that's Peyton Plumley to a T. The flip side of that is because of the intense nature of Vandy's left-handedness, Lamona saying six of nine just then, if the stats against lefties are that drastic, then you turn to that no matter what, regardless of the whole stuff versus weak contact profile. Again, those kinds of things aren't publicly available, even though they should be. But I did do a little research to see if there is something there. Let's take the last five starts for both JT Ginn and Peyton Plumley. In those five starts for JT Ginn against Texas A&M, Ole Miss, South Carolina, LSU and Hoover, and Southern in the regional, left-handed hitters are hitting 312 against JT Ginn, 10 for 32. In Peyton Plumley's last five starts, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Miami in the regional, and Stanford in the super regional, Left-handed hitters are only hitting 159 against him, 7 for 44. Those aren't full-season numbers, and, and obviously, again, only getting, what was the, the number, 32 at-bats against left-handed hitters. He had some shortened starts in, in that stretch, so there's, there's some sample size uh, issues there as well. So, so do with those numbers what you will, but it is, it is interesting. So there, there are two sides to this debate. Yes, Peyton Plumley and JT Ginn are different pitchers and do things different ways. So there may be a matchup preference there, but the platoon advantage does seem undeniable. And, and I imagine it, it could have played, it could have truly been the, the one and only factor in, in making this decision, if not uh, factoring in that, that stuff debate, uh, or stuff versus weak contact debate earlier, but it, but it is something to to keep in mind, or something that I found kind of rattling around in in my head, and in, in the immediate aftermath of that decision becoming public. In any event, Peyton Plumley is probably hoping for more run support than Ethan Small got in his start on Sunday. Most of that was due to unfortunate events with runners on base, but Chris Lamona says there's reason to believe they're moving past that. I think we've got to slow it down. We had some good at-bats. We just said we weren't good with runners in scoring position, and we had a I thought Rowdy had a good swing early in the game with two outs, and I thought Jordan Westberg's ball, he couldn't hit that ball any better, so we had a little tough luck, but we also had some bad at-bats in those situations, so uh, for us, we need to slow it down and control the strike zone offensively. I mean, I hope that's the biggest piece. I mean, you know, if you learn anything, um, you know, some of the bigger at-bats, we all talk about Marshall's at-bats, but Tanner Allen gets that big walk. Um, Josh Hatcher fights with two strikes and gets a chop ball, just putting the ball into play. And then uh, we had some really good at-bats, too. You know, Matt gets ahead 2-0 and gets a hit. Um, Jake gets us his first pitch hit like he always does. But um, I'm hoping that momentum plays into the, to the week and gets that, lets us relax now and play good baseball. All told, Cole Gordon believes the team is locking in after a hectic Sunday night. You know, it's not, it's not bad. You know, last night you kind of you wear it that night, and then this morning we woke up, and I think everyone was pretty focused even, you know, just waking up, getting ready to go to practice today. No one was really talking about it as much. You know, you mentioned every once in a while, but uh, for the most part we have bigger bigger um, goals here than winning the first game. So uh, we got to come back and be ready for tomorrow. And now let's turn it over to my interview with Adam Sparks, the uh, Vanderbilt beat writer for the Tennessean. Uh, he's in town covering Vandy, but of course as a bigger as part of the bigger USA Today network, he's chipping in on some uh, some coverage of other teams. And in Omaha, Adam is a heck of a local beat writer. He's he's as good as it gets in in the SEC. He absolutely dominates Vandy football and Vandy baseball for and he does a good job covering basketball as well. Don't want to shortchange his work there. He's he's a fantastic local beat writer was was pleased to get a few minutes of of his time so let's let's get to his insight on the commodores 
And now we're pleased to be joined by Adam Sparks, the uh, Vanderbilt beat writer for the Tennessean, um, joining us here on Dogpile. And, you know, it was a little more than a year ago now that we were fueling ourselves on Pressbox Coffee through the, uh, through the 2018. And we still are, right? Uh, to a certain extent, yeah, you're yeah. right, you're right. Uh, just not quite the dire straits that it was in that point in time, but we'll, we'll get there later in the week. Sure. I'm, I'm assuming. Anyway, thank you. Thank you for joining us. It's, it's funny. You're, we're recording this right after you tweeted video of Tim Corbin calling Mississippi State's clutch wins, quote, a repeatable behavior, which is a very Vanderbilt phrase to use. <laughs> it is. Right. So find Adam on Twitter at Adam Sparks if you want to see the full video of Tim Corbin discussing the Bulldogs. I, I do want to get to this team as a whole before we kind of break down the individual matchup. It's very impressive. They're tied for the national lead in home runs. Right with 95, they're second in the nation in doubles, only behind Mississippi State. So that'll be fun. With that win over Louisville, they set a new school record for wins yep. with 55, and all of that being the case, and a respectable pitching staff, top 25 nationally in WHIP. Is there any conversation around this team potentially being the best in Tim Corbin's Vanderbilt era if they get that national championship that the 14 team claims? I think that's the big if um, because you could make a pretty decent case, and I think this is the the case for a lot of teams is that sometimes the the best team doesn't win at all. Yeah, I think that's the case at a lot of schools. Uh, Vanderbilt, there's two or three teams that never got to Omaha that were in that conversation. Like last year's team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Last year's team was 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 pretty good. Um, 07 team, that David Price, uh, yeah. Pedro Alvarez team. Um, so th- th- there have been others. Uh, 2013 was really really good, um, but the 2015 team, the last team they got to the College World Series. Uh, for Vanderbilt, that was the Dansby Swanson, Carson mm-hmm. Fulmer, Walker Bueller, three first-round picks, and yeah, half the team was drafted that year. Um, so it was, but that team lost in the championship series to Virginia. This team is different than all those, but talent-wise, yeah, I think they're in the conversation. I'd say they're probably top three talent-wise that Tim Corbin has had, and it's really if you finish it off. You know, their national championship season, 2014. That team was barely ranked when they got in. Yeah. Uh, they were more of a team like what, like maybe Auburn or Florida State mm-hmm. is this year. And um, so talent-wise, this is, and I think depth more than anything sticks out this team compared to a lot of others. And plus, if they do win the national championship, they'll almost be a 60-win team yes. coming out of the SEC. That's just in- incredible. So this, this very well could be one of the better Vandy teams in, in Tim Corbin's era. And, and the lineup, they're really strong pieces to it, but it didn't really come together in that first game against Louisville. Five hits, two of them in all three runs, accounted for by Austin Martin. Was there any reason, like, within the game or the matchup for that lackluster performance that State might try to exploit, or was it just bad luck, bad day at the ballpark, all those baseball things? I mean, <laughs> uh, Reed Detmers is really, really good. Yes. Um, and so – I, I, you know, when you're going to run into a number one like that, if uh, I think that's the type of game you're going to get. You know, we saw a few low-scoring games uh, in the first round because you had ones versus ones. Yeah. Um, now you get to whose two is as good as their one. And I'll be interested to see. I mean, Ethan Small's phenomenal, so I don't know if Miss State's two can match up anywhere near that. Plumley's Plumley's a good one. So that's going to be interesting. So there you go. You've got a a good number two, and Vanderbilt has Kumar Rocker, who just pitched a no hitter (laughs) in the Super Regional. Now he's a freshman. At times he looks like their best pitcher. At times he looks like their fourth or, yeah, fourth best pitcher. Yeah. So it really depends on the day. but as far as offense goes, no, it didn't shock me. They've had games like that before. If you're going to get a good pitcher, um, I thought I thought there were two or three innings when they should have piled up more runs, didn't come through. Part of that is J.J. Bladé, uh, National Player of the Year candidate, 
has been fine lately, but he's not been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And in, you know, in the in the regionals and super regionals, there was a very extreme shift put onto him. And ever since that shift started in the regional, um, he hasn't reacted well to it. I'll be interested to see if Miss State tries some of it. I mean, extreme shift. I mean, uh, I mean, what basically one fielder on the left side. Well, well, one fielder behind second base. Two fielders on the first base side, four outfielders. Um, really? Yeah, I mean you can. The the so way almost was, like a trapezoid shift on that right side where yes. you have two guys kind of in that short right field area. Yes, I mean you could bunt it. You could you could have bunted it toward the shortstop and walked the first. <laughs> and he tried to bunt a couple times, and but it, it what it came down to is it just really freaked him out at the plate. Yeah. And so I'll be interested to see if. You know, Louisville didn't do that. Maybe Miss State does. They've only played once, so they're yeah. familiar, but they're not really familiar with each other. Right, and that's interesting because this new coaching staff, they, they shift. They shift a, a pretty good bit. They don't shift like North Carolina, yeah. for instance, but they, they, they move guys around uh, a pretty good bit. So I, I imagine they'll they'll see the video and they will put a shift on, on J.J. Bleday. That'll be that'll be interesting to look at. One, one more note on that Louisville game. You mentioned Reed Detmer's Louisville starter six walks is that something that this vandy lineup can do consistently or was that a detmer's problem uh that was a detmer's problem okay. somewhat but they're pretty patient at the plate uh jj bladay has a wonderful eye for the strike zone austin martin does really i could go up and down the lineup they're, they're they get very good plate discipline and so if you're gonna throw balls they're gonna make you they're gonna turn out to walks they're not yeah. gonna swing at bad pitches and that's some of that's the experience there's uh, five seniors on this team. That's the most Tim Tim Corbin's had in ten years, I yeah, think. Yeah. You usually don't have seniors on this pro- in this program, so you've got seniors. You've got a lot of talented players uh, like Bladé, like Martin, and so they're, they're going to draw a lot of walks. But if you're throwing strikes, they want to hit it. And if Miss State throws strikes, they're not going to care about walks. Julian Infante is having a heck of a postseason for Vandy. He entered the College World Series slugging a thousand in the NCAA tournament, and then had a double against Louisville. What's the book on him recently? Well, I mean, you know, he was their cleanup hitter two years ago, yeah. and their top home run hitter, and he hit a slump last year that took him below the Mendoza line. Ooh. Yeah, and he has come back this year. His power is back. He's he's hitting okay in terms of average, but, uh, you know, he's – I mean, you could make a case that some games he's their worst hitter because he's their number nine hitter. Yeah. But he, he can still hit a couple balls out of the park in any given game. I mean, he's – He's about as good of a nine hitter as you're going to see, and I think that's the story on probably the story, I guess, on both teams, right? Yeah, but, yeah, because I mean, the nine hole hitter just walked it off for state, right? Um, what was that Sunday night? My days are just totally uh, gone. It feels like we've been here. here for three weeks. Yeah, right? we still got a long ways to go, I know. one way or another. I know, um, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, two yeah. two great nine hole hitters in this game. Yeah, I mean, Vandy at times in the late in the season, even in the postseason, their six, seven, eight, nine hitters were better. Then they're one, two, three, four hitters, and that's saying something when Austin Martin and JJ Blade are your one and two hitters. Uh, yeah. But that's you know there's not a place for a pitcher to hide in this lineup, and I think 
you know, the same for Mississippi State, that Kumar Rocker cannot go out there and say, well, this is a gimme inning because it's the bottom of the order. That's simply not going to happen for either pitcher in this game. Yeah, and of course we have to talk about Kumar Rocker. I think everyone saw the highlight from the no-hitter and the crazy breaking balls he was spinning in. 19 strikeouts, yes. right? But he's got a really good fastball. He's a promising young pitching prospect. What is Mississippi State up against in Kumar Rocker? Well, uh, when he's on, he is really, really good. When he's off, he, he – He'll throw with velocity, but he'll lose his command. Now, lately, okay. he's been on. Um, yeah, his fastball. I mean, in that game, it it touched 99 in the first inning, and it was 97 in the ninth. Wow. So, yeah, his he threw 131 pitches, yep. and he was at 97 in the 120s, 130s. Yeah, I feel like pitch 129 touched 96 yeah. or something like that. I was watching that on TV at the end. It's like, good. God. Yeah, he's got the velocity in his girth. You know, I mean, he's a six four, two fifty. Not a small no. young man. <laughs> Tracy Rockers, like, his dad, like the, father, like son. Yep, the yep. former great defensive uh, defensive lineman at Auburn. So he's got a football body and strength. He throws with velocity. If his slider is working, um, he can go deep into innings and and do like he did there. He's not gonna. At this level against this type of lineup, he's not going to survive just on his fastball. Yeah. Because Mississippi State can – any elite hitters, it's not easy to hit a you know, uh, mid to upper 90s fastball, but they can do that. In fact, a lot of hitters would very well prefer, just give me your the fastest fastball you got and I, I'll time it and hit it. And uh, But if his slider's working, and, you know, his, his catcher, Philip Clark, said uh, in the bullpen uh, before uh, about the bullpen work before that game, he said, I couldn't catch his slider. You know, and you saw there were almost some pass balls in that game, at least there were a couple, because it was breaking it was so late. stupid, yeah. yeah. Constantly in the turf, too. Yes, and it, and it looks, um, you know, the tunnel that it goes in, and you heard a lot of the coaches after that game, the opposing coaches, Duke coaches, talked about, that their hitters would come back and say the tunnel that it's coming down is exactly the same as the fastball. So until the last 30 feet, his slider and fastball looked identical. And if it's going like that, it you know, people ask after that game, how do you compare a college no-hitter like that to a major league no-hitter? I tend to think you either have no-hit stuff or you don't. Yeah. And I think he would have – he would have pitched a gym against major league hitters in that game. Yeah. But, he, you know, he, he has that half the time, and other times he's just a a really good, strong pitcher with velocity. And so we'll see which one of those turns up here in Omaha. When he does struggle, does he try to lean on that velocity to, to eat yes, innings? Yes, uh, okay. to some extent. Um, yeah, I mean, his slider I don't think has been his out pitch all year. He came in as a freshman already as a guy that could have been a first-round pick. And he was going to be that because he threw 98-99. Yep. So he knows he's always got that. He's, I think he's he's learned, he's learned that that's not going to get it done uh, because SEC hitters will look for fastball and they're fine hitting fastball, like I said. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if his slider's not working, that's kind of his safety net is to throw it really hard. But I do feel like that will be recognized early by, by, by Vandy. If he doesn't have it, I think they could go to the bullpen, you know, third, fourth inning. They won't stick with yeah. him forever. Yeah, see, that's that's why I asked because I had a conversation with uh, State's assistant coach, the hitting coach, Jake Gotro, last night. He said he feels like this team hits velocity best. Like this is a lineup that matches up with velocity well. Yep. He thinks that's why they hit so well in the SEC because you see velocity up in the mid-90s and they react well to that. Now, they don't see 97, 98, 99 
with any consistency. But the, the fact that he does lean on velocity when he gets in trouble does does interest me with a team that likes to think that it hits high velocity better than it does anything else. And I think there's so much psychology into this because he's coming off the first no-hitter in Super Regional history. Yeah. And he's a freshman, and he's in Omaha for the first time. And if that slider is not phenomenal like it was a week ago, does he say, oh, I don't have it this week. Now I'm going to throw hard. Well, I, I can't throw hard because they told me that this lineup will hit it if I throw hard. So I've got to stick with a pitch and a slider that's not as good as a week ago. There's so many mind games that could work into this. Now, he is a very level-headed kid, but this is Omaha, and he's a freshman. Yep. So, you know, Bandy will see what he's got, and I, they have a lot of confidence in him. And he is, he's been their best pitcher the last month. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been far better than Drake Fellows, uh, a little better than Mason Hickman better than Patrick Ray. He's been their best pitcher for the last month, so maybe he's just owned right now. Uh, but their bullpen is in good shape, and they do have some depth there. They do have some options if they need to go to it. And that's that's the last question I wanted to ask you because this is – you mentioned they will pull him early if they have to because if you win this game, you don't play again until Friday. Right. You've got all the time in the world to rest up the bullpen arms. You can inning by inning this thing and, and rest it up if, if you want to. Who do you see as the most likely bullpen options to follow Rocker? Well, that's um, that, well. They have some young lefties. Uh, their lefties have not pitched in the postseason until this year. Freshman lefties uh, have a sophomore lefty. It's here's the interesting thing: is that they have four starters that are all about the same. Now they're different types of pitchers, but they're all about the same level. So their number four right now is Patrick Raby. Mm-hmm. He's their all-time career wins leader. So, yeah, and Mason Hickman was their midweek guy. He's kind of moved up to the number three spot. He's undefeated as a midweek guy. (laughs) But he pitched pitched in the Super Regional uh, and got a win. Yeah. Or he he got the start, and they they won the game with Raby uh, in in relief. So if they need a long reliever, I think they could go to a Mason Hickman or a Patrick Raby because if you have four starters, you can use one here and say, okay, let's take a mulligan. Kumar doesn't have it. Let's just go to another starter. So I could I could see either Hickman or Raby. I mean, it's so important, as you know, in this side of the bracket. If you can go 2-0, and oh, you're, oh, it's, you're it in great shape. It in the world, yeah. Yeah, and, if, and you still have pitching left. Mm-hmm. Um, and e- both of these teams would have pitching left if they went 2-0. and um, So I think they would probably go with one of those – uh, one of those starters, Hickman or Raby, and then just figure out what they do with the rotation later if they were to win the game. And if Kumar does go seven strong, who who are the back end guys that they'll turn to to finish this thing? Um, Ethan Smith, um, maybe uh, Zach King. Through yet a couple days ago, they could still go back to him. I doubt that though. They they've got about two young lefties that they would go to, and I think Ethan would probably be probably be the first one out. They're really just trying to get the ball to Tyler Brown, their, their yeah. closer. Okay. He's got 15 saves, leads the SEC. Um, he's up for stopper, a finalist for stopper of the year. Um, he went uh, one and two-thirds, I think, the other day. Okay. He can go two innings. So yeah. if Kumar goes deep, they'll do a situational middle reliever. They may use a couple guys, and they just go straight to Tyler Brown in the late eighth or ninth. Well, you let Coach Cor- Corbin know that he's allowed to use Ethan Smith because Ethan Small 
won't pitch oh, in this game. Okay. When Small started that game in the SEC tournament, and then mm-hmm. Smith came in in relief for uh, for Vandy, I was like, well, "This is this is unacceptable. <laughs> don't do this to me. That's right. That's I don't right. like having an Ethan Small and an Ethan it's Smith in much. the same game. Yeah, it's, it's too much. Uh, it's just begging me to mix up a word yeah. and mess up somebody's. We all do. Name. It. I know. He is he is Adam Sparks, the uh, Vandy beat writer for the Tennessee, and follow him on Twitter at. Adam Sparks. Adam, appreciate your time, man. Yeah. I'll let you get back to work. Good to be on. Again, thank you to, to Adam Sparks of the Tennessean for, for his time. Uh, so follow him on Twitter at Adam Sparks to, to learn more about Vandy uh, as Mississippi State plays the Commodores. While we were recording that interview with, with Adam, Arkansas was holding the final press conference of its season after Texas Tech beat the Razorbacks 5-4, to four, ending their season and making Arkansas the first team to exit from Omaha. That was followed by Michigan giving itself the path of least resistance to the National Championship Series with a 2 to nothing win over Florida State on the back of starting pitcher Tommy Henry, who went a complete game, three-hit shutout, with 10 strikeouts, and he covered that complete game in 100, per, in 100 pitches. That's incredibly impressive to, to do that. I mean, that's, that's pretty, pretty clearly uh, efficient, to say the very least. Um, so that's where, that's where the other half of the bracket stands. Arkansas is already out of it. Texas Tech and Florida State have their backs up against the wall. Michigan, the odds are in their favor to get to the national championship series. Uh, On the Mississippi State side of the bracket, Louisville and Auburn will play each other Tuesday at 1, I believe. A loser of that game goes home, and they await the loser of this Mississippi State-Vanderbilt game. Um, I think the stakes of of this game are are pretty clear, right? If you go 2-0 to start your your bracket in the College World Series, your your odds of getting to the National Championship Series are, are pretty high. Now, that doesn't necessarily uh, put Mississippi State fans at ease considering they went 2-0 in Omaha last year just to lose two in a row to Oregon State and miss out on the national championship series. But the odds are the odds. Uh, they're, they're in your favor if you win your first two games in, in Omaha, and, and that's what Mississippi State has at stake. We're going to cover it every which way we possibly can, so make sure you subscribe to Dogpile while we're going daily here from Omaha so those, those podcasts hit your feed and your in your preferred podcast platform. That is really difficult for me to say, even though it shouldn't be, considering you know I'm a, I'm a podcaster now. In your preferred podcast platform, subscribe to, to Dogpile to make sure you get the daily episodes as they become available. Also follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Hudson and like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Radio Wyatt. We're going to we're gonna go at this thing in as many ways as possible, and we hope y'all y'all enjoy the ride. Uh, hope you hope you are to this point, and hope you continue to do so. As Mississippi State's stay in Omaha will at least go through Thursday night, because if they were to lose to Vandy on Tuesday night, they'll play again in an elimination game on Thursday night. If they win against Vandy on Tuesday night, they won't play again until Friday night. So the 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 visit is going to be extended for a little while, and, and State's hoping to extend it a little more. Whether they do or not, we're going to cover it every way we possibly can. And, and subscribing to Dogpile is, is a first step to make sure you get that coverage. Appreciate you all listening, and we'll be back tomorrow. Again, we want to thank our sponsors who make Dogpile possible. Mississippi Land Bank. Y'all let them know at mslandbank.com and tell them Hale State. Jubilations Cheesecake in West Point. Jubilations.com. Every season is jubilation season. 
and High Point Roasters Coffee in New Albany. Trust me, get your coffee at High Point and check them out online, highpointroasters.com. We'll see you next time.